0: Uh, to preach uh, to you out of Proverbs 22. I was reading an excerpt, and in this excerpt, uh, it went on to say, Whoa, what in the world is happening with our kids today? Now let's see. I think it started when Madeleine Murray O'Hare complained that she didn't want any prayer in our schools. And then we said, okay. Then someone said, you had better not read the Bible in school, the Bible that says thou shall not kill, thou shall not steal, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we said, okay. You remember Dr. Benjamin Spoke, who said we shouldn't spank our children when they misbehave because their little personalities would be warped and we might damage their self-esteem. And guess what? We said, okay, we won't spank them. Then someone said that teachers and principals better not discipline our children when they misbehave. And our administrator said, whoa, no one in the school better touch a student when they misbehave because we don't want any bad publicity and we surely don't want to be sued Then someone said, let's allow our daughters to have abortions if they want. We won't have to even tell their parents. And we said, okay, that's a grand idea. Then someone else said, let's give our sons the freedom to immorality. Give them access to what they want so they can have all the fun they desire and we won't have to tell their parents And we said, that's another great idea. Then came along our top officials who said that it doesn't matter what we do in private as long as we do our jobs. And we said, as long as I have a job and I have an economy that is good, it doesn't matter what people do in the private. So we said, okay. So now we are asking ourselves the question, why are our children... Maybe it's not personal this morning, but why are we seeing our children have no conscience, why they don't know what is right from wrong, and why doesn't it seem to bother them anymore? Probably, if we think long and hard enough, we can figure it out. I think it has a great deal to do with what we reap reap what we sow. What a concept. Removing a little bit of God here, removing a little bit of God there, seem harmless, but we reap what we sow. We cannot look into the future, but you know what we can do? We can look to the past and, avoiding, and avoid the same mistake we've done in the past. And I tell you, The problem exists with failure to parent. It's not the church. It's not teachers. It's not politicians. It's not the job of someone you employ to train and teach your child. It is every parent's responsibility. And I want to speak to that this morning. Because parenting is a noble call that has given every parent the opportunity to steward what God has entrusted to them. Parenting is a call. Billy Graham said, parenting is the most important responsibility most of us will ever face. And none of us does it perfectly. Now more than ever, as exhausted and as overwhelmed as we are in sickness and in health, those are the vows we hear in a marriage. But as exhausted and as tired as we are, now more than ever, parenting is critical and it cannot be taken lightly. The parenting call isn't one that is cheap, dismissible, It is a high call and one with great responsibility. We are stewards for a season in our lives. There is a period of time that we have our children with us from the time they are born until the time they hit 18 years of age. And in that season of time, how we parent them Don't talk about someone else parenting your child. Listen to me, Kevin. You can pay tons of money to tuition teachers, you can pay tons of money to people who can look after your children. The responsibility is yours. When your child makes the decision to do what they do, the parent is the one. Why is my child doing this? Why? Because you are not. Taking responsibility, many a times we try to outsource parenting. We make teachers feel bad. Yeah. We make pastors feel bad. We make leaders feel bad. because they, Did you read the story about a teacher who was bombarded by a parent because their child didn't wake up for school? Yeah. Is it the teacher's fault that you... The child living in your own home and you not being able to take dominion over your child, now it's become the their, responsi- the their fault. And what people do often is they pull their kids away. Oh, this teacher is not good. I go and send to another teacher. This pastor is not good. I go and send. We're not dealing with the root issue. The root problem is You just don't want to parent your child. Proverbs 22, verses 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. This passage gives us a promise that our labor and our faithfulness to the call of parenting isn't in vain. There's a training season than a releasing season. When I was playing badminton, uh, we trained very regularly, but I was never allowed to play in tournaments until I was ready and I was in a place where I was fit enough. I was able to have the stamina to stand in a 60-70-minute game. Uh, it had to come to a place where I trained myself constantly. I taught myself discipline. I woke up in the morning, I played shadows when I was, you know, still the sun hadn't risen. I would play shadows with my badminton racket. I would find every opportunity to to play badminton just to get better at the game. I would go for training upon training upon training, all because I wanted to one day find myself where my coach will say, you're ready, now, go and play. You see, that is what childhood rearing really involves. It is you and I training our children in that first 18 years of their lives. And then we've done our part and we have to leave the results to God. See, we carry upon ourselves the responsibility to train, we carry upon ourselves the responsibility to set in motion to discipline, to instruct, Tutor for a season in their life. This is our response. That's what the word training that is used in our text. The Bible says, train up a child. In other words, you have to set in motion. You have to discipline the child. You have to instruct. And as a parent, you have to see to it. Oh, but pastor, I don't know how to do it. Learn. It's the most important job you will ever hold in your life. Parenting is more important than anything else in this physical life that you will ever carry in responsibility. The reason we have so many people who come to a place, and I will talk to you about some of the challenges. According to the United Nations, they suggest that a child is a child until they hit the age of 18. So for the sake of simplicity, we're going to use that as as a guide to describe that where does the parenting responsibility really stop? Let's assume at the age of 18. Because by the time they're 18, they should have been taught They should have been given enough instructions. They should have been given enough discipline. They should have been molded and shaped according to the culture that we have at home. And what it does is it begins to enable them after the age of 18 to go out and be a responsible human being. Now, suffice to say, that is the bare minimum. God expects a child to grow up, God expects a child to mature. And eventually God expects them to be left to independently make their own choices. What is parenting this morning? What is parenting? When we talk about parenting, what does it really mean? Number one, it means providing for your child. And this is the only thing that many a times as Asian parents we are very good at doing. Giving them food, giving them money, giving them comfort, providing them with this, providing them with that. Uh, Mostly we we do enable that and we do provide for them. But I'm not just talking about money, finances and physical materialism. You have to provide them with guidance. That means every day you wake up, you're providing them, son, this is what you need. Girl, this is what you need to be doing. This is what I expect to do. You know, my kids got up every morning. I'm not ashamed to, maybe they are ashamed that I say this, but they, they would go into the shower and they would actually shower, come out, and I would say, have you brushed your teeth? They won't didn't brush their teeth. It went on for a while. It went on for a while, they just... Shower, and I I would say, listen, you need to brush your teeth. Yes, Daddy. Yes, Daddy. Next day, have you brushed it? No. It just keeps going on and on and on. I told my wife, I said, get a marker pen, write on the tile on that on in the bathroom, brush your teeth. So that whenever they get to the mirror where they look at themselves, they would see that on the wall and they'd say, okay, brush it. Then I thought of another idea. I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to wake up every morning. After I've done all my routine, before they get up, I'm going to go into their bathrooms. I'm going to take the, 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 the toothpaste and I'm going to put it on the toothbrush and I'm going to leave it right there where they cannot miss it. And I started doing that and I can tell you, they've developed a habit. What did I do? I did a simple act as a parent. That's all. I put what they needed. I, 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 I decided that, you know what? I need to provide them with guidance. I need to be actively involved in their lives. I need to be able to know what they are going through. Why aren't they doing this? Why aren't they paying attention? Why? But you know what most parents do? What's wrong with you? You don't know how to do it. Why don't you teach them? You see, we don't want that. Beloved, I've seen this to be true, and, I, and, I, and I'll, I'll say this to be honest. I've seen parenting workshops. We had a dad workshop about a month, or, sorry, about a year and a half ago. And then I remember seeing, I'm thinking to myself, I'm telling dads to go for it. They don't want to go. But tell them about another program that teach them how to make money. Tell them another program about how to, you know, invest into KLSC. Tell them about another program about, you know, how to get rich. They'll sit every day and do that. But talk to them about learning how to parent. They don't want to waste their time. They think they know it. And we cannot provide guidance. This is a problem today. And then you know who carries the responsibility? Teachers. You know who carries the responsibility? Parents. Because of their failure, they throw the burden on. So I'm telling you this morning, the, the, the salvation of our children hangs in the balance of the culture you set at home. You've got to learn to provide for them. You don't sit down with them, and I'll talk about that in a moment. The second thing you've got to do, number one is provide. Number two, you've got to prepare them. Are you preparing them emotionally mentally and physically to face all the pressures that will come down their life. You see, many kids break under pressure. Too much homework and, you know, they flare up, they get upset. They, and what do we as parents, do we ignore it. But that's a breakdown right there that needs to be dealt with. We need to be preparing them. We need to find a way to train them and to teach them. We need to find a way to inculcate in them the ability to come to a place where they can have the support in their life. I am impressed that some parents in this church who have sent their children in for English courses. Why? Because they want their children to get good at the language and not only did they invest in and send them to it. I remember a young man wrote a letter recently and the mom and dad, you know, texted and said, pastor, did he really write this? I say, yes, he did. Because you invested into making that young man better in his language. You said, I will prepare him for the future. I will prepare Him emotionally, mentally. I will prepare Him how to handle pressure. I will prepare. I need and, and if we as parents take that role, beloved, I tell you, we will see a coming generation. The third thing as parents you have to learn to do is you need to protect them. You've got to learn to keep them from harm. You've got to learn to look over them and say, what are you watching? Take the computer, take the iPad, and make some effort to see what they are watching. What games are you playing? Oh, pastor, that is too... But you got to protect them. They're not ready for stuff like that. They're not ready. And and, and as parents, we wonder, why aren't they listening? Why aren't they doing... Are you protecting them? I know it's not the typical Father's Day sermon. Are you keeping them away from bad decisions? Are you protecting them and saying, son, that's a bad choice. Girl, that's a bad choice. You shouldn't be making that decision. In my home, I allow my kids to make their own decisions. But I will go ahead and I'll tell them that's not a good choice. Why do I have the power or the authority say, because as a father, I have taken interest in their life. You will never listen to someone who doesn't have influence in your life. That's, that's just the reality of it. And all of these, providing, preparing, protecting, revolves around and is undergirded with the very notion of being present. You have to be present in their lives. You cannot tell me, oh, I send money. Okay, but you're not present. Oh, I'm giving them guidance. I send them to a teacher, or I send them to no, they need life skills that they learn from you. And if you're not good, train yourself. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey. I was telling my wife yesterday, there is a course that goes on, and I encourage anybody who wants to get, you know, we are always learning. We're always learning. We have to always keep learning. And, and there is a course that's going on right now on Coursera that is actually a 20-week a or a 30-week course and you get a certificate for being a data analyst. Listen, if you take a good look out there, you will find a lot of parenting courses. You will find a lot of stuff on how to parent and what is required to teach my children and to impart into my children. There's so much of that out there. If you only made a little bit of effort, we will have a better nation, a better world, a better generation. Can I say to you, I worked for an outsourced organization years ago and i remember being attached in that company and i would observe the number of staffs that we had in that in that organization and the quality of the service that was provided somehow what happened is because we were appointed by a fortune 500 company They employed, they appointed us to be their agents, and while we were working on it, I realized there were people who just blatantly were rude on the phone, people who never really, you know, paid attention to customer service, who never paid attention to the quality of the call, because it is outsourced. Can I tell you something? When you outsource parenting, you get the result of what outsourcing does. And and you know, I don't have to, because it describes, you know, you own your child, not me. (laughs) Not your teacher. Not the, the neighbor. They can have good intentions, but they don't own your child. And I can tell you that actions cannot replace intentions. They can do good for you. They can do good for your children. They can, you know, express, oh, I love, you know, I want to help them and all of that. They can express the action but they cannot replace the intention. And outsourcing parenting will never work. What am I saying this morning? I am simply telling you that it is your duty, it is my duty to parent my child. Charles Spurgeon said, let no Christian parent fall into the delusion that Sunday school is intended to ease them of their personal duties. The first and foremost natural condition of things is for Christian parents to train up their own children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So the question then, have we faithfully carried out the task as a parent to provide, to prepare, and to protect our children? Are we faithfully stewarding what God has entrusted to us? And I made the statement to you just now. All of these are undergirded with you being present. Hel Walken learned that his daughter, Pierce Walken, a flight attendant for Delta Airlines had to work on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. However, hell didn't allow that to stop them from enjoying Christmas together. So, what, what hell Walken did is he bought six plane tickets to be on six different flights that his daughter was servicing during Christmas. She was an air stewardess. And he invested into buying six different tickets just so that he could be with her while she was working. And you tell anyone this morning that this man didn't care about his daughter, you would would be wrong to assume that he could use FaceTime, he could use all the technology that's available now and thank God for that. But I believe, beloved, that being present Bridges what nothing else technology can do. Parenting this morning is one of the most challenging tasks in life. And I say to you, it cannot be taken for granted. Why is that so? What makes it so challenging? You know, we have limited time. 18 years of their life and that's it, number one. We have a cut-off time. We're dealing with a less matured individual that heightens the challenge. Psalms 127 verses three to five, the Bible says, "Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrow in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in." the gate. See, like arrows in the hand of the warrior, David says that having children in a bag or in, in the quiver's bag, uh, 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 basically uh, a quiver full of them describes that the, the job and the call of a parent is to fight, is to fight for their children and the fight is real the enemy is warring against us to destroy and annihilate our children you see the unpopular yet unnecessary task or sorry the unpopular yet necessary task of christian parenting requires we embrace and we engrave the doctrine of god's word into our children In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9, and these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. It is the sole duty of every parent, according to this passage, to make God's Word and Scripture a part of our everyday life in our homes, not just Sundays. It is the duty, the Bible says, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. You see, this will... You cannot run away. What you deposit into your child is what they become. Don't blame anyone when they rebel. Don't blame anyone when they are stubborn. Don't blame anyone when they don't want. Listen, yes, they're going through adolescence. Yes, they're growing up. Yes, they're learning certain things and you have to allow them to. But can I say to you, beloved, if you have not been faithfully engraving God's word into them, if all you talk about at home is money, 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 all you talk about at home is work, 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 all you talk about at home is economy 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 all you talk about at home is just the stuff that doesn't impact them can i tell you news 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 you get a child that is not submitted to god what's on the doorpost of your house really what's on the doorpost of your house It's no mystery why children no longer want to go to church because parents don't deposit that conviction in them anymore. They expect the child to listen to the pastor when the parent disrespects the pastor. See, in the practical, what makes parenting so challenging? Three things. Number one, the gap. Your age gap with your child. Some of us are 30, some of us 40, some 50, some 60, some 70, and you're dealing with a young 13, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old, and you wonder what has changed in the generation. The gap makes parenting very challenging. Because every time you tell your child something, what happens? They look at you and they say, you're a You're a lunatic. You're trying to make them understand what you see. And beloved, can I be honest with you? It's like trying to tell someone to eat medicine who doesn't care about their health. You know what young people want? Can I be well? They want to have fun. And if all you try to do is tell them, read the Bible, pray, read the Bible, pray, read the Bible, pray, the Bible, pray they, they're not going to do it. You know what they need? They need someone who will hold their hands. This is where parents come in and say, sit down. Let's talk. Where's the struggle? Okay, as your father, as your mother, I'm going to sit with you every day at five o'clock and we're going to read the Bible together. We don't want to train ourselves how to deal with our young people. We don't want to teach ourselves. The gap, the, the, you know, we, we, we somehow come to a place where we're relating. We're no longer relating to them where they're at, beloved. We seem to stand from a distance and tell them what to do, and they don't understand it. They don't understand what's so important. They don't understand why you love coming to church. Or they don't understand why you read the Bible. So they are so young that their brains are still being developed. I'm sorry, but that's the reality. They don't understand. And how do I bridge that gap? If I can sit down with my son and my daughter, some of you have come in for Bible study, and they ask questions, and sometimes you've got to find a way to explain it to them in the most childlike way. I can tell, okay, theologically speaking, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, and Revelation, you understand. Oh yeah, yeah, dad, you know, wow, profound that. Don't understand. They don't. They don't get it. So that gap makes parenting very challenging, because of our age and because of what we know and what we. Have. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter six, verses four. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Now listen, listen, listen to the second part of this verse. But bring them up in the training and admonition, training. You know what training means? It means you've got to train yourself in order to train them. How do I? You see, you're not given a church of 40, 50 people to pastor, you're given two or three children. Figure out how to work with each of them and ask God, How do I relate to them? Take interest. So the gap is always a challenge. The second thing that we always find, and I'm going to bring this down, is the challenge of leading by example. We like to please ourselves rather than we please God. So you know what we say? Nothing wrong with me doing this what? Yes, on the surface it looks like nothing wrong, but you convey the wrong message to your children. If you want to live your life, can I be very honest with you? If you want to live your life and do what you want to do without repercussions, don't have children. Because everything you do, your child looks at you. Why did my dad talk like that? Why did my dad say that? Why did my bad dad behave that? Why did my dad, you know, not even spend time in prayer? You know, when I don't pray, my children notice. Daddy, why you came out of your office so early? Why haven't you prayed long enough? You think kids are not observant. They watch everything. And we don't like leading by example because we're adults. We somehow think, let it be. So be it. Let them, you know, I'm doing nothing wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? In God's eyes, I'm right. What's wrong? Have you heard that? Yeah, in God's eyes, you're right. But you're sure stumbling a lot of people. Titus chapter 2, 7 to 8. In all things, Scripture in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing integrity. Integrity. You know what integrity is? Transparency, accountability, honesty, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say. The other day, we were having a meal a few weeks, months, maybe months ago, and I saw this huge building, I think it was somewhere in KL, near Bukit Damansara or something like that, and on that building was this this word written, that integrity. (laughs) I wish I can tell you which, which organization that was. but I won't tell you that, but I sure know a lot of lack of integrity in that organization. They put the word "big, big," integrity, but they are the biggest con man, cheater and scammers. It's true, I'm not kidding. I, if I could stand and tell you, so, you will... I don't have to go far. But the truth is, that is an organization filled with so much of corruption. You know why? Sometimes they say that? Because they want people to believe the lie. You have to lead, by example. Who are you? Who are you when, you're, when no one is looking? What do your children look at you, watch, and see? Yes, amen. What do they see you read? What do they see you look at? What do they see you spend your time doing? Oh, pastor, that's my business. Yeah, but you've got two children, you've got three children, you've got four children, you got five. You have children who are watching you. It comes with a responsibility. I'm sorry. The third challenge we always find in parenting our children, is time. You know what happens? We get so caught up with the red race, chasing after worldly things, our our children are being completely neglected. No one pays attention to them. They can spend the whole day and you could be clueless where they are. In my home, My children will sit in the office every day in school and I'm there in the office next to them. And I can tell you, my son would open up browsers on Google Chrome and when I walk in, you'll close it. He's a 10-year-old boy. You tell me, your kids don't know how to hide? Can I ask you something this morning? Do you give time for them? Sit down with them? Have a conversation with them? Every day? Do you know who your, good, who your children's good friends are? Who their best friends are? Do you know what their favorite food is? Do you know what games they are playing? I don't know, la Pastor, what they are playing. Why don't you sit down and make them open up to you? Because time is the greatest challenge. One of the great challenges. You are not present in their life. Can I tell you, when I was a teenager, I knew when my parents would not walk into my room, and I knew when my parents would not ask me. You know, I've had my share of teenage years. I've had done things that... Would be embarrassing for me to share today. But can I be very honest with you, beloved? I studied my parents' pattern. I knew what they would ask me. I had a cover up for that and a cover up for this and a cover up for that and a cover up. Because I knew, guess what? They were 20, 30 years older than me and not as smart as me. I knew how to treat them. I'm not kidding. I'm telling you the truth. I knew how to play the game. I knew what lie to tell them to shut them up. I can, up to today, I can tell you how my mom will respond. I'll call her nowadays and sometimes I'll mock her. I will say something over the phone and then before she answers, I will answer what she will answer. Because somehow I I expect, I know, I studied that pattern. Do you think I'm alone in that? You know why we did that? Because our parents, to some degree, we had no time with them. We just wanted to do our own thing, and we wanted no responsibility to it. So the three greatest challenges you will face is the gap. Children, undeveloped brain, cannot understand what you're telling them. The leading by example, what do you watch? What do you see? What do you look at? What do you read? and time. Joshua 24, 15. If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, in a book written by Greg McCohen, he wrote this book titled Essentialism, and in that, in that book he wrote about a woman by the name of Cynthia. He began, she began to share the story about the time her father had made plans to take her out on a night in San Francisco. Twelve-year-old Cynthia and her father had been planning the date for months. They had a whole itinerary planned out to the minute. She would attend the last hour of his presentation and then meet him at the back of the room at about forty-four thirty and leave quickly before everyone tried to talk to him. The father was a uh, um, public speaker. And so she, they would catch a trolley car da- to Chinatown. The idea was to eat Chinese food, shop for a souvenir, see the sights for a while and then catch a flick as a dad liked to say. Then they would grab a taxi back to the hotel, jump into the pool for a quick swim, order a hot fudge sundae from room service, and watch the late, late show. They discussed the details over and over before they left. The anticipation was on her, and, and she was looking forward to it. That was all going according to plan until her father was leaving the convention center. He ran into an old college friend and business associate. It had been years since they had seen each other and Cynthia watched as they embraced each other enthusiastically. His friend said, in effect, I'm so glad you're doing some work with our company now. When Louis and I heard about it, we thought it would be perfect. We want to invite you and of course Cynthia, to get a spectacular seafood dinner down at the wharf. Cynthia's res- father responded, Bob, it's great to see you. Dinner at the wharf sounds great. Cynthia was heartbroken. Her daydreams of trolley rides, ice cream sundaes evaporated in an, in an instant. Plus, she hated seafood and she could just imagine how bored she would be listening to the adults talk all night. But then her father continued, but not tonight. Cynthia and I have a special date planned, don't we? And he looked at Cynthia and he winked at her, grabbed her hand and ran out the door and continued with what was an unforgettable night in San Francisco. As it happens, Cynthia's father was none other than Stephen Covey, the man who wrote The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People who had passed away only weeks before Cynthia shared this story. So it was with deep emotion she recalled that evening in San Francisco, his simple decision, Cynthia and I have a special date planned, his simple decision bonded him to me forever because I knew what mattered most to him was me. Let's close this morning because the challenge is simply how do you wean a child off? Weaning a child off and releasing them into adulthood is necessary. You can't, child, you, you can't parent them until they're 40 years old. Some, some, some mothers do. <laughs> Did you eat your vegetables? Did you do this, stop drinking that, stop doing this, stop doing okay And, and, and some, some do, some do. Uh, it, it's, it's true. But weaning a child off is necessary when you begin to transit them from childhood into adulthood. And I want to give you some hope this morning as I close. Some parents give too much freedom too soon, while some give no freedom. This is where a parent must prayerfully consider the time to release and let go. In 1 Corinthians 13, 11, beloved, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I taught as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Can I say to you three things spiritually? Number one, you got to love them always. Learn to love your children always. Express that love to them. Embrace them. Speak that love to them. Tell them, you know what, I love you. And whatever you're going through, you can speak. You got to keep depositing that into them. You got to secondly, learn to pray earnestly for them. And thirdly, you've got to learn to claim scriptures upon them. In Jesus' name, I claim this promise over my son. In Jesus' name, I claim this promise over my daughter. So three categories of, uh, three, three elements that you have to do in the spiritual. You've got to love them, you've got to pray for them, you've got to claim scriptures over them. Now, let me give you the practical and the psychological thing that you need to do in order to release your children. Number one, you've got to learn to adapt and embrace. Listen to me very carefully. They are growing up. Learn to stop controlling and slowly learn to release. You know, a shoelace is tight. But when you go home and you want to remove your shoe, you take little bit by little bit you pull a little bit out, a little bit out, a little bit out, a little bit out. And I think that when it comes to raising children, you've got to look at it like a shoelace. When it's tightened, you've tightened it from a certain age to a certain age, and then it comes to a place where you slowly start letting go. Letting go. Letting go. Letting go. You've got to learn to adapt and embrace changes. They are going to transit from one season to the next, change is constant. I say to you, beloved, the only thing you don't want to live with in life, if there's one thing you don't want to live with in life, is regret. I wish I did this. I wish I spent more time with my children. I wish I gave more time to them. I wish I had more opportunity. And I know we are living in such a a, a situation today where in all honesty, beloved, in all honesty, um, uh, you know, parents have to travel and they have to be out of town and that is completely understandable. But you have to find the bridge to learn to constantly be in touch with your children. Jeremy and Julia, as an infant, we had to feed them. Now that has changed. As an infant, we had to carry them. Now they walk everywhere. As an infant, there were only certain type of food they could eat. Now they can eat anything. And that season of change is never going to stop. Your child is going to grow up. They're never going to be seven years old tomorrow. They're, or rather, they're not going to be seven years old again. And they're never going to be eight years old again. Never, they only get one shot. And that's it. And what you do is going to clearly determine the trajectory of their life. So you've got to learn to adapt. Don't beat yourself up got to embrace the change and say, you know what, I've done what I can. I have to accept they're growing up. Slowly start releasing the lace. Secondly, you've got to give them space. Your children are going to make mistakes in life. They're going to mess up, going to make some bad decisions. But I tell you, beloved, most people learn from them. You've got to learn to give them space. Once they've gone into adulthood, they've passed the age, you've got to give them that space to learn and to do what they want to do. And thirdly, and this is the great promise I leave with you, you have to remember God's will will be accomplished irregardless uh, of what your children decide to do or what they decide to, God's will will be done. And I challenge you, this is where as a mom and as a dad, you you are learning to, to pray and to seek God for your children. They can fight God. They can fight God. They can fight God. They can reject Him. They can push Him aside. They can push the things of God aside. But I tell you right now, God always wins. You can take that however you want. But the truth is, God always wins. There was a mother who was sharing her story, and uh, Franklin Graham was beginning to talk to her. I believe it was Franklin Graham. And he said, You know, they were used to praying for God to convict her daughter about a particular sexual sin when she felt God interrupting. This mother would pray and pray and pray God, convict my daughter. Convict my daughter for the immorality. She Convict my daughter for the ungodliness. And, and God began to speak to her, interrupted, interrupted her and said, your daughter knows that what she's doing is wrong. You've told her plenty of times. Instead, pray that she will experience my love. Recognizing that it is God's love and kindness that leads us to repentance, this mother changed her approach. She began to pray out of love rather than worry or fear or judgment of her daughter's behavior. Eventually, her daughter did experience both conviction and repentance, but God also changed the mom's heart, helping her recognize that she couldn't control her daughter's decision in life and that only God's love could change the young woman's heart. And God's ways are always better than mine, this mom told me. So you've got to learn to adapt and embrace. Your children is growing up. They're never going to be the age they are at forever. You've got to learn to give them space as they move into adulthood. Give them some freedom to make decisions and choices. And then you've got to learn to remind yourself every day God's will will be done irregardless. And that is how you learn to release your children to God. That is how you learn to say, you know what, I cannot hold them any longer. I'm letting them go. But you don't do that when they're seven. You don't do that when they're eight. You don't do that when they're 10. You don't do that when they're 13. You don't do that when they're 15. You start doing that when they get to about 18 years because that is where they begin to look at you and say, you know, when they're age zero to one, you're their hero, right? For the most part, until they get to their teenage years, until they get to about 11, 12, they look at you and say, my mom, my daddy, my hero. When they get to 13, they say, what do they know? Old fart? I've seen it, church. What does my parents know? And you see, when they get to that stage and you have not spent time with them, you can say anything to them, they will not listen to you. Is it too late, pastor? No. Start working at it from where you're at right now. I want you to bow your heads with me.